What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take a 20. I'm sorry for the delay on this episode. I know it's been quite a while, but like I said, starting a new job is getting a little bit harder to do this regularly on the Monday-Friday schedule that I put out for myself, but I will continue to try and keep getting at least an episode out every two weeks, if not every week. Um, And before going any further, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been sticking with me on this journey. I know it's been kind of in and out, but I really do appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the people that I've connected with throughout doing this podcast and running the Instagram. have developed a lot of good friendships, uh, some that might actually last a lifetime. So really do appreciate um, all the opportunity that this podcast has given me and really appreciate all of you guys for giving your feedback. I love talking about basketball and I it makes me love it even more to hear your guys' feedback and saying how much you enjoy the podcast or even debating with me about some of the topics. I really do enjoy all the interaction. So thank you. It's definitely kept a fire under my ass and makes me want to continue to do this. So thank you and hats off to all of you guys. Um, So without further ado, let's just jump right into this episode where, you know, I may piss some people off because I know everybody is a huge, not everybody, but a lot of people are big Jokic fans and think that he was deserving of his MVP. Me, I don't believe that he deserved it. And if you have been following me on Instagram, you can see how vocal I've been on that platform about it. Um, But not only myself, but there's a lot of old players coming out that are saying that is kind of fraudulent. I kind of bring it back to the situation of um, Steve Nash winning an MVP. I don't remember if he's a two-time MVP or just a one-time MVP. Um, I believe he's a two-time MVP. Let me just double-check. Yeah, two-time MVP. So I kind of go back to that situation of, you know, did Steve Nash deserve those two MVPs? Probably not. Um, just due to the fact of Kobe and Shaq's pure dominance. Kobe should, the simple fact that Kobe does not have an MVP and Steve Nash has two shows you the, at least in my mind, the disconnect and kind of how players are judged on what they do. Because honestly, with Steve Nash, he's not even in that conversation when you talk about top five point guards of all time. Where in the other hand, with Shaq and Kobe, both of them in their respective positions are talked about as like either the number one or the number two best player at their position ever. So with that simple fact, it's it's also going down the line of like, what is Embiid? And now everybody's going to know where I'm going with this, but where is Embiid going to finish on that all-time list? 
I honestly believe that he's going to finish ahead of Jokic and should finish ahead of Jokic. I don't like that everybody is giving the Joker a whole bunch of praise for just now starting to play defense. It's not that he's gotten so much better at defense. It's not that he's elevated his game on that end of the court. It's just a simple fact that he has started to play defense. But even in that simple fact, with him being a seven-foot center, he still is averaging 0.9 blocks per game. This was my whole thing against him last year. It was just like for my starting center, for an MVP, for any MVP that we're looking at when it comes to centers, if you're not getting at least double-digit rebounds and averaging a block a game, then you shouldn't even be in the conversation, period. I do not care about your passing prowess, which honestly, if you look at it, you can look at his stats straight up and see that he did, yes, is 5.8 assists per game, which is honestly a dip from what he was doing a season prior, which is actually very interesting to me that people like were rewarding that, that he's lessened his assist output, which has always been his biggest like thing that everybody praises him for, that he's an amazing passing big man. Um, excuse me. Is he any better of a passer than Jok or not Jokic? Um, Joking Noah. I'm I'm asking very seriously. If somebody wants to DM me about this, like we can have this debate because when I look at Jokic and Joakim Noah, they are essentially the same player. When and I'm saying this in the sense of looking at uh, Joakim Noah's like prime season. If you look at that and you compare the two players, they're they're damn near identical. So, would we have ever put Joakim Noah in the conversation for MVP? Absolutely not. But would we say that he's a great center and deserves to get a lot of praise for what he does for his team? Absolutely. He was the second best player on a stacked Bulls team. Jokic is the best player on a not-so-stacked Denver team. Now, when I say not-so-stacked, I'm not saying that he doesn't have any support system over there. I'm just saying that he doesn't have the same, like, uh, kind of arsenal that the Bulls and Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah had at their disposal. But... Let me get back to this assist thing because he averaged 5.8 assists a game, but he averaged 4.8 turnovers per game. So one of those assists is all that counts to me. That's literally it. Is If your assist to turnover ratio is that close, then you're not a good passer. You're not, you, you do not take care of the ball the way that you should. So in my opinion, Jokic by far did not deserve this award just just off of that alone just off of that simple fact that he did not do better than he did the season previous he did not he did not go above and beyond from what he was doing a season ago 
period. So for him to be handed this MVP and say like, hey, you you were the most valuable valuable player in this league. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I cannot co-sign on that because we we seen it very clearly that is that that really is not the case. Joel Embiid by far and large was the MVP of this season. There was some debate very early on in the season of just how how the 76ers started out. And who who can blame the 76ers for starting out the way that they did, especially with the Ben Simmons drama playing off in the background? Who can blame them? But I I just want to go through all of this and really explain why I think that Embiid is the true MVP and should have been crowned the MVP rather than Jokic. Just like let let's go through it because everybody's biggest argument is that they don't have Jokic didn't have anybody around him. Okay, let me read off a couple of players and their stat line just to let you know who who Jokic was dealing with this year. Yes, I get that Michael Porter Jr. was out for the season. I don't know why or when or how everybody started seeing Michael Porter Jr. as the third guy. Um, because up until he actually signed that contract, nobody was talking about Michael Porter Jr. the way that they are talking about him now. They were always saying that he's a streaky shooter. He does not get back on defense. He does not play defense. And that that was always their biggest thing against him, that he was not consistent, that he was a Kyle Kuzma, if you will. Now you're telling me that because he didn't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., he deserves MVP? Get out of here. Get out of here, please. Let's let's go through... I'm I'm not even gonna go through the whole roster. I'm gonna go through about like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight players that on 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 both teams. I'm gonna go through eight players on both teams, on the Nuggets, on the 76ers, and just so I can lay this out for you, for everybody to just to see this is what Jokic was working with, and this is what Embiid was working with. So Let's let's start off this way. Jokic went into the season knowing that he was going to not have Jamal Murray. He went into the season knowing that Michael Porter Jr. is coming into the season and, you know, he has had issues with his back ever since he's been drafted. He hasn't had a single season where he's been healthy all the way through. So... Mentally, you have to already go into it thinking, hey, you know what? Michael Porter Jr. is probably going to miss some time. Did we expect him to miss, like, damn near 75% of the season? No, of course not. But that's just the way that it played out. I mean, when he first got drafted, he didn't play all season. The season after that, he played, I believe, half of the season. So it's... It's, it's a trend with him. Very unfortunate because I do think Michael Porter Jr. can develop into an amazing, amazing player. I was very upset that the Clippers did not draft him. But it's it's one of those things where 
you know, he hasn't, he's shown it in spurts, but he hasn't shown it consistently for us to say like, oh yeah, he would have been a difference maker because we absolutely do not know that. In all the, in majority of the games last year when Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon were on the floor at the same time, Aaron Gordon was the one who made more of an impact than Michael Porter Jr. Let's not cut, let's not pretend. Let's not act like Michael Porter Jr. was a key cog to this Denver Nuggets team to making them go. It It is not that. So, without further ado, let's get th- through this roster because I'm, I'm really, as you guys can tell, <laughs> this is a very touchy, not touchy, but it's, it's just, ugh, it irks me that the MVP did not go to the best player that who performed the best throughout the throughout the regular season. That's all I have to say. It is a regular season award. I'm not finals MVP is finals MVP. That's taking care of the whole postseason. And you know, MVP, I've I've taken it out of my head of just saying like, oh, it's the best player. No, it was the best player for that season. And for us to say that it was Jokic rather than than Embiid is honestly very, very laughable. To me, the MVP is like until it starts being handed out to players who are deserving of it. If you're getting it back to back, you need to have shown us something more outstanding than what you did the season previous, which Jokic did not. Uh, God, I keep getting distracted. I'm, I'm keep getting off track. Apologize about that. So let's start off. Monte Morris had a stat line of 12 points per game, four assists per game, one turnover per game, and three rebounds per game. Will Barton averaged 14 points per game. I'm not going to put in the the 14.7. Like, it's, I'm just going to either round down or round up, whichever one I'm feeling more comfortable with. And um, so Will Barton is 14 points per game. Uh, I'm going to say 3.9 assists per game and 1.8 turnovers per game with four rebounds per game. Aaron Gordon averaged 15 points per game, 2.5 assists per game, 1.8 turnovers per game, and 5.9 rebounds rebounds per game. I said I wasn't going to do the points, but now I'm going to do the points because it makes more sense. Um, Jeff Green averaged 10.3 points per game, 1.3 assists per game, 0.9 turnovers per game, and 3.1 rebounds per game. Austin Rivers averaged 6 points per game, 1.3 assists per game, 0.8 turnovers per game, 1.7 rebounds per game. uh, Jamichael Green averaged 6.4 points per game, 0.9 Assists per game, 0.9 turnovers per game, so he's even right there. 4.2 rebounds per game. Bones Highland, who, you know, if anybody said they knew who Bones Highland was before this season, they were lying. Because no nobody knew who this person was. Like, But he, he put himself on the map. 10.1 points per game, 2.8 assists per game, 1.2 turnovers per game, 2.7 rebounds per game. And then you, of course, have 
Frack Composal. Who, in in all instances, is a very underrated player. They do not understand, like, he he's a low-key. I'm not going to put him up there with a Patrick Beverly, but I'm just saying, like, he he is right there in terms of defensive guards. You don't want to face him. I'm telling you right now. I'm sure if you if anybody were to ask Damian Lillard, like, what's one of the point guards that you really do not like going up against or, like, facing down against, I'm sure Frat Composo is going to be on there. But let's say, let's give his stat line is a 5.1 points per game, 3.4 assists per game, one turnover per game, 1.8 rebounds per game. Pretty, pretty good supporting cast. Not a single one of those players is a scrub. Every single one of those players is actually a two-ended player. Austin Rivers, as a Clipper fan, is somebody that has... I, I have the utmost respect for Austin Rivers. AR-15, I need you to change your number to 15, my boy. <laughs> like, Austin is one of those players that does not get credit for what he does that doesn't show up on the stat stat sheet. He plays on both ends of the court. He dogs the other guards. A lot of times, he'll end up being on one of the key scorers off the bench. When he's starting, sometimes he's going to be on the best team's offensive player. That's just the way that it's going to be. It's either going to be him or Aaron Gordon. So I I I really don't want to hear that Jokic did not have a, have a good supporting cast. These are all certified ballers who are not scrubs. So like I I I just really don't understand where everybody's like thought processes with this now I do have to give Jokic a a shout or not a shout out but I have to give him props for actually getting a little bit more creative with his hands and averaging 1.4 or uh, 1.5 steals per game is actually that that was actually very impressive I'm not I'm gonna lie very very impressed that he was able to average that throughout the season that's that's a very good clip. But outside of that, nothing is very remarkable. 3.1 points per game, okay. It's about the same from what you were averaging prior. 13.2 rebounds per game. I'm glad to see that you're actually getting into the paint and boxing out and trying to rebound. And again, 0.9 blocks per game. I cannot give a center who does not average at least one block per game the MVP, period. It does not work like that. Now, moving on to Embiid, I'll read you his stat line super quick. Um, is 30.6 points per game, 4.2 assists per game, 3.1 turnovers per game, 11.7 rebounds per game, 1.5 blocks per game. Now, some people are going to point out and say, oh, see, Jokic's rebounds were higher. Jokic's points were higher. Jokic's assists were higher. 
I understand that. I totally understand that. But when we look at them during game, who is, like, I understand defensive metrics are saying that Jokic is now a defensive juggernaut and is better defensively than Joel Embiid. But when you're watching a game, when you see the game go the full 48, is it Jokic or Embiid who is the better defender? Let's not let's not pretend here. Embiid is the better defender by far and large. The some like how these stats are calculated is very very suspect to me. How these things are registered is very suspect to me. So you have to use your eye test especially when it comes to defense. Offense, whatever. You can look at a shooting, like, you can look at their points per game, you can look at their attempts, you can look at their makes, you can look at their shoot, like, the shooting chart. You can look at where they were shooting, where they were missing, where they were making it. So it's a little bit more precise when it comes to that. When it comes to defense and trying to calculate exactly what each player has done on the floor, it it has not worked out to... a an exact science. So with Jokic all of a sudden being a defensive juggernaut, it shows that. It shows that these stats are flawed, at least the defensive side. So moving on, let's go with Embiid supporting cast. We got Tyrese Maxey, who averaged 17.5 points per game, 4.3 assists per game, 1.2 turnovers per game, 3.2 rebounds per game. Then you had Matisse Thibel, who averaged 5.7 points per game, 1.1 assists per game, 0.6 turnovers per game, and 2.3 rebounds per game. George Niang averaged 9.2 points per game, 1.3 assists per game, 0.8 turnovers per game, and 2.7 rebounds per game. Then you have Danny Green, who averaged 5.9 points per game, one assist point assist per game, 0.7 turnovers per game, and then 2.5 rebounds per game. Tobias Harris averaged 17.2 points per game, 3.5 assists per game, 1.6 turnovers per game, and 6.8 rebounds per game. Seth Curry. Now, I am going to include Seth Curry and Andre Drummond because he that that was a good supporting cast for him um, up until the MB or not the MB trade, the Harden trade. Um, so, with the simple fact that they've they only missed, I want to say. They yeah, Seth Curry played forty five games and Andre Drummond played forty nine games. Granted, there's a good chunk of the season left over for him. Um, just for the sake of argument, I am putting Seth Curry and Andre Drummond into this conversation because once you once we get down a little bit further into my notes, you're gonna understand. Not gonna. Comp- I mean, if if I really wanted to hammer it home, then I would have kept them off the list. I'm keeping them on the list just for the simple fact to let let everybody know, like, this, this is the reality. 
So Andre Drummond averaged 6.1 points per game, two assists per game, 1.6 turnovers per game, 8.8 rebounds per game. Um, and then Furkan Kormaz averaged 7.6 points per game, 1.9 assists per game, 0.7 turnovers per game, and 2.6 rebounds per game. Actually, a really good stat line for him. He's continuing to develop. Nice to see that happen. Um, But now, let's just go straight up, position, position. Um, At least for me, who would I rather have? Monte Morris or Tyrese Maxey? I'd rather have Tyrese Maxey. Will Barton or Seth Curry? That's kind of a toss-up for me. I'm going to have to say they're tied. Bones Highland or Matisse Thibel? Bones Highland. Duh. It, it. And I say that because Matisse Thibel has taken a like significant, very, very significant steps back in his game. I don't know what's going on with him. It doesn't seem like even in the playoffs, he was not able to be put on the floor. So is is very interesting what's going on with him. I don't know if it's mental, if it's something that he just wants to leave Philadelphia, or I I don't I really don't know what's going on with that whole situation. But hey, it is what it is. Bones Highland over Matisse Thibel. Now Austin Rivers and Danny Green. Who would I rather have? I'm calling it a tie between those two players. Yes, I'm saying that Austin Rivers is just as significant as Danny Green to a championship team. Now, are they the same player? Absolutely not. I'm not going to trust Austin Rivers to shoot the way that Danny Green shoot from behind the arc, but am I going to trust Austin Rivers to pop off and shoot a ridiculous amount of floaters, like literally straight down the key and make an absurd clip at them? Yes, I am. Uh... Why, you ask? Because he's done it consistently throughout his entire career. It's something that I I expect from him at this point, if it's required of him. Period. So, anybody who wants to argue that, go back to every single stop that he's made since he's been a Clipper. And see what kind of offense he puts out. What kind of defense he puts out. Him and him and Danny Green are very similar players. I'm not saying that they Austin Rivers has Danny Green's shooting capabilities behind the arc, but like I said just now, they are very similar players, and Austin Rivers can go off just the way that Danny Green can go off. Now, going on, do I want Jeff Green or George Niang? I'm definitely taking Jeff Green. Like, I, I understand, like, everybody's – I don't even know how to say it, but, like, everybody's qualms with Jeff Green. Yeah, he hasn't played up to his true potential, but you see they, those little spurts that him here and there of him being an amazing small forward – or a power forward, rather. And, you know, would I rather have – And, you know, he does play some really good small ball center. At this point in his career, that's generally what he's being used for. Um, So between the two, I'm I'm definitely taking Jeff Green. Uh, 
between Aaron Gordon and Tobias Harris, for some people it's going to be Aaron Gordon. For me, it's going to be Tobias Harris. Just because with Tobias Harris, I know that I'm going to get a really good offensive output and he's going to put a good defensive effort forth. Aaron Gordon, on the other hand, I know that he's going to play amazing defensively and he, you know, he's he's capable of going off, but it's just he being in the environment of the Denver Nuggets, he just he hasn't done that uh for whatever reason. He he is a a 25 and 10 type player. Um but the simple fact is he he just didn't do that this season. Um very 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 shocked at at how he he was uh playing throughout the season. I don't know if he was playing through injury or or what's going on, but uh he definitely should be averaging at least 10 rebounds per game. There's no reason why he he shouldn't be. Um then moving on, am I going to take Jamal Green or Andre Drummond? Of course I'm taking Andre Drummond. And then for Composo or Frat Composo or Furkan Kormas. I kind of put that into a draw. Both players are great. I'd love to have either one of those players. I can't say that one is better than the other. I think that they're right there, neck and neck. So, that means that Denver has gotten two. And, like, I'm taking two from Denver. And then I'm taking three from Philly. Just so you know, if I didn't include Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, this list would be very significantly different. For the simple fact that instead of Embiid having eight players for me to go off of, I would only have six. I would only have six players to go off of to compare to Jokic's eight. Do you understand what's going? Do you understand my argument now? Of just no, Jokic did not have a a poor supporting cast than Embiid. Period. No, he did not. If you go player by player, it's it's simple. You see that Embiid lost Seth Curry and Andre Drummond midway through the season for Harden. Now. In in the big picture of things, like I mean, if I'm talking to somebody back in, let's say, 2019, hearing that trade that now Joel Embiid and James Harden are on the same team, they 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 would lose their mind. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna that is an amazing team. That's the new Shaq and Kobe." Blah blah blah. All the things that we were saying about them this time around in twenty twenty one, Jesus, twenty twenty two. Sorry. Uh, what we're saying about them now is like. We, we said the same thing. 
Like, they, they're the next Kobe and Shaq. But back in 2019, they would have been the next Kobe and Shaq. Now, it's very plain to see that Harden is not the player that he once was. Uh, it's very unfortunate, but it, it happens to all basketball players. You're you're not going to stay as athletic as you were back when you were in your 20s. It, it just doesn't happen. Once you start getting older, you lose a little bit of that elasticity. You lose a little bit of that burst. It is just a part of life. So for anybody to think that Arden was going to be everything that he, he's been in Houston, um, I mean, I, I just don't think that he's that player anymore. He, he just isn't. But without getting too sidetracked, like that that's, that's what Embiid was dealing with. That's what Jokic was dealing with. Now, moving on a little bit, uh, something that people just continue to completely forget when they were talking about MVP conversation, um, that the West was a lot weaker than the Eastern Conference this season. And I'm not going to say that Denver had nights off, but I'm, I'm going to say like they, they weren't facing the same competition that the 76ers were night in and night out. So with the Western Conference, the average winning percentage was 49.91%. Just, just a little bit under 500 you're at 499.1. But on the other end, you have um, in the Eastern Conference, the average winning percentage is 50.07%. Now, some people are going to say like, oh, that's that's super close. Like, why does it even matter? Well, let me tell you why it matters. The from seeding one through four, they have at least fifty wins for the Eastern Conference. Things don't like, or actually, you know what? Let me put it this way: one through ten, the Eastern Conference has a winning percentage. Now, 1 through 10 for the Western Conference, 8 of those teams are above 50% or playing 500 ball. New Orleans Pelicans and the San Antonio Spurs are the two that were not at 500 the lowest winning percentage or lowest win loss for the Eastern Conference was 22 to 60 for the Orlando Magic. Then you have the Houston Rockets with 20 to 62. It's it just shows you like there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven teams that are playing under 500 ball 
majority of the Western Conference teams were dealing with injury. Clay Thompson, for example, Draymond Green, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. It's they were dealing with so many injuries. The Lakers were an albatross. They were a shell of their former selves. At least with the Nets, they continued to fight. They still have Kevin Durant. They still had Kyrie Irving. Certain nights they had James Harden. But when you compare the two conferences, the Eastern Conference was 100% the stronger conference. And it was the more, more difficult conference to get through. Why we did not give Embiid credit for that? Who knows? Everybody wants to say, like, oh, yeah, Denver and Philly have similar records. Mm, Yeah, similar-ish, 48 and 34 for Denver. And then you have 51 and 31 for the 76ers. Which one are you going to reward more? The one that has more wins? In the tougher conference, or the one has less wins in the weaker conference? I'll wait. It 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 just it it literally does not make any sense why Jokic was handed his second MVP. Zero sense. Zero 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 sense. I, I, I just can't I can't deal with it. And then furthermore, this is the last point that I'm going to make before I wrap up this episode because I've now been rambling close to 40 minutes and I'm sure that some of you guys are very done with listening to this. Um, but this is this is my last point. Um, Jokic finished first in efficiency, though, has the 11th highest usage rate. For them to say that he finished first in efficiency with 5.8 assists per game, with 4.8 turnovers per game, I think he averaged 4.5 fouls a game. Um, If I'm not mistaken, let me double-check that and make sure um, before I start saying things um let's see so granted i was wrong he averaged 2.6 personal fouls okay 2.6 that fine fine (laughs) i will live with that but it it just it it doesn't for me at least it it doesn't really it doesn't it doesn't add up to where Jokic should Jokic is named the MVP and Embiid is not like I I don't get how. They got so many first place votes. I mean, Embiid finished third in efficiency and he had the second highest usage rate. 
So what is what is it that we're really talking about? What is it that is really the criteria to be an MVP of the regular season? I'd, I'm with Stephen Jackson. I don't know if people have seen what he sa- said. This will be my last point and we'll wrap up the episode. Um, but Stephen Jackson said, like, hey, you know what? Instead of writers having the the say of who's going to be MVP, how about we put it into the hands of X players or some X players and some current players? How about that? How about we put it into the hands of them? Some nonpartisan, some players that we feel that will honestly call it straight down the middle. And let's see, let's see how this award actually starts shifting and starts getting handed to the player that is the most deserving. Because a lot of these writers, all respect to them. Because I really do respect what they do and the hard work and dedication that they put into their job. I mean, hell, I'm one of those people. But the simple fact is, if one of those people who has a vote has never actually, like, ran suicides, ran a three-man weave, like, hasn't gone through, like, a normal like basketball practice or played in a in a game like a actual club game or with a school I don't think that those people should have a vote I just I just don't they I understand they they know the game to a certain level which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that to know it at a certain level. But if you have never been out there on the court, have never been in an actual game, it it changes the the dynamic and the pressure. You know, um, you you start looking at the game a little bit differently and being like, hey, like yeah. Yeah, that that person is 100% better than this person. I mean, it's it's just little 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 detail things that are really affecting the bigger picture and keeping accolades away from players who truly deserve it. Should Rudy Gobert have been a back-to-back defensive player of the year? No. Does he deserve to have at least one defensive player of the year award? 100%. But for the defensive player of the year, like for that year that he actually like in my opinion 100% deserved it and earned it, he was guarding positions 1 through 5. From that point, he's kind of teetered off I don't know if it's age or him just getting complacent or him and Donovan Mitchell just not getting along. But he's definitely taking a significant dip down. So if we start letting the ex-players and some players that are nonpartisan to 
start voting for these awards, I think that it's going to make a huge, huge difference. And with that, I am going to call it an episode. I am sorry for talking you guys' ears off. But, hey, I appreciate you turning tuning in to yet another episode of Take a 20. Like I said, with work, things are going to be a little bit more sporadic, but I will try my best to get at least one episode out every two weeks, if not every week. Again, thank you to everybody who has been very supportive of me. I really appreciate it. Uh, If it's your first time listening to Take a 20 podcast, I promise not every single episode is me just being pissed off and ranting. Uh, Majority of them are, but not all. And with that being said, I am going to call an episode. going to get out of here and try and get some sleep. And until next time, everybody stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Stay masked up if you need to. Uh, Me personally, I feel more comfortable in the mask. But, hey, everybody do what they feel most comfortable doing. Stay safe out there. Yeah, see you guys in the next episode. Peace.